On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Dear Evan Hansen. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Okay, now I'm recording. Hello. Hello. We are back <laughs> once again with the Renegade Master <laughs> to, <laughs> to talk about a truly awful movie. I'm sorry, Paddy. Um, That's okay. I do yeah, have... we, we're going to dive straight in, are we? Well, I haven't seen June yet. I'm seeing June tomorrow, so we can, we'll have to wait till next we'll week's have episode to, to talk about that. We'll have, we'll have to talk about that another time, yeah. Um, there's, there, I do have some positive things to say about this movie, but I have a lot of bad things to say about it as well. Um, do you do you want to jump straight in? Or have you got anything yeah. else you'd like to? Yeah, no, no. Let's to? let's let's jump straight in. This week we are talking about Dear Evan Hansen, which is a musical that came out recently. Yes, yeah, so it was um, initially a stage show that was very very popular. And, and 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 successful and continues to run um i think on broadway and it's, it's on in the west end in london as well right now yes yeah so you know it's it's not as though it's a it's an unknown thing or something that hasn't been well received it has actually got an awful lot of fans um and has done very well um it's won uh several tony awards as well um but then it got made into a movie this year and it has um received a mixed response shall we say from people yeah it's not Um, all the critical reception is not all bad but a a lot of it is not good yes yeah um it's it's a lot of it is uh is not great um and there's various reasons why so a little bit of an overview of the plot of dear evan hansen um it is about a um a teenage boy at high school with social anxiety. Um, He writes letters to himself uh, talking about, like, you know, the day ahead and things like that, which is part of his therapy. Um, And one of his, um, one of his letters gets picked up by another kid at the high school who then uh, takes his own life. And the family believes that the letter, which is written to, dear evan hansen is his suicide note um and after initially trying to say no it's something i wrote myself eventually evan hansen decides just to roll with it and pretend that he was the best friend of this guy (laughs) yeah and And then the lie keeps on going and the lie keeps going as it often does in things of this nature um and i did not like this movie paddy and obviously it's a musical. I'm not always a fan of musicals. No, I didn't like it that much either, but I did enjoy watching it and thinking Rob is going to hate this. Yeah, I think you will have got a lot of enjoyment out of recognising the bits that I would hate in particular. Um, which was pretty much all of it. Which was pretty much all of it. And and there there's a few um, there's a few things in this movie that that really have been heavily criticised. And one of them is um, is the the main performance um so evan yeah. hansen is played by fred durst which is an interesting choice for, for a a teenager yeah. a 51 year old man playing a 17 year old boy um making yeah. the music of a 17 year old boy 
of course, which makes sense. <laughs> which makes sense for Fred Durst. Um, no, so so he's played by by Ben Platt, um, who's who's had a successful career um, yep. in in theatre. Did you? Um, we watched um, and some screen stuff as well. I think primarily mm, theatre. Yeah. We saw that. Did you see that show, The Politician, that was on Netflix a couple of years ago? No, I heard it was good, and I know that he was in that. He was the lead role in that, and he was really good. It was a really really mm. interesting show. It was one of the ones where my wife was watching it, and I was in and out of the room, but they. Um, that I was really, really captivated by it when I was there, and he his performance was really, really strong in that. So I think he's he's a good actor, and I think he has a lovely voice. Um, so I'd imagine that his contribution to the stage show was really something. But yeah, um, and I think you know um, things like the Book of Mormon. I think the Book of Mormon is very, very funny. Um, oh, did and, he? Was he in that? And he was in that. Yeah, um, I've still not I, seen that. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, he was one of the. Um, he was one of the main... One um, of the main Mormons. One of the main Mormons. Started off in the Chicago production, but then moved to the Broadway production. Oh, right. Um, I did well. not know so, that. So, you know, he's a, he's a very successful theatre performer. Um, I've, I've wanted to watch um, The Politician because it is made by the makers of American Horror Story, and I generally like oh, their right. output. Um, I think their stuff is, is quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, he's a talented guy, but a lot of the criticism has come of the fact that he is very obviously not a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Um, and his his defense of this in interviews when asked about it has been, that, well, look at stuff like Greece, And, you know, that he's, he's far from the first person to ever play um, a teenager when they're much older. And there are much more egregious ample, examples in film history. Um, but I think... The problem with this isn't necessarily that he's playing a teenager in and of itself. It's the way they've done it, which is that they've tried to make him look young and it's backfired and made him look really old because, I don't know, maybe it's like some kind of weird de-aging thing that they've applied that didn't work, but his face is like really lined and they've given him this sort of curly hair that makes him look older. And I don't really know why. Who looked at that and went, yeah, looks good, drop it. It Yeah, he looks young, drop it. it It is very much a how do you do fellow kids moment. Yeah. Um and it's it's he's it's, 28, right? It's it's not yeah. so he's 27 when they're filming this. So it's probably how old was John Travolta in Greece? I mean he looks like a <laughs> he was 40 ancient, year old. Man, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, he was he was old when they were yeah. filming it. So it's fair for him to bring that up, but I think it's the problem isn't with him, it's more with them, you know, the the wardrobe and the effects, isn't it? Yeah. And and also the fact that we live in a world of HD, so we can see the fact that you shave every day in a way yeah. that most high schoolers probably wouldn't do. Um, and, and you know, so so he does look like an old man. He looks like Chris Morris pretending to be a, 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 a someone at school for a brass eye sketch. Um, yeah. And and again, this isn't a fault of him, and he's got a really good voice, you know. Um, but but it is, it is off-putting, and it does make it awkward. Um, and so that's been the subject of a lot of criticism, and I think, you know, yeah, they could have, they could have, put someone younger in the role um maybe that would have made it better but i think there's a lot of structural issues with this movie that outweigh the fact that it looks like it's a 70 year old man going to high school and he's also said that you know it they wanted him to do it and that if he didn't do it then the film probably wouldn't have gotten made which is a fair point but at the same time well then maybe just don't make the film it's like if the show (laughs) is good enough the show will stand alone. And that's why I think, you know, I'm sure the film rights to Hamilton is sitting around somewhere um, and that the film of it will happen eventually. But they, I think, have resisted rushing into any film project other than they filmed the, the stage show and put it on Disney Plus, And it's amazing. 
But, you know, I think you have to be very, very cautious with this kind of thing. And really, I think it ultimately it's clearly a stage. show. I haven't seen the stage show. I've, I had listened to a bunch of the songs from the stage show before because I'm interested in musicals. But um, I think, uh, yeah, having not seen the stage show, my instinct is that it just doesn't translate to film. And that yeah. even with the, even if you did have someone of appropriate age who didn't look old, and if even if that wasn't a factor, I still don't think it would translate that well to film. I completely agree because something that, often happens with with musicals into movies is you lose that suspension of disbelief that you get from watching it on stage um you can forgive an awful lot more when it's a stage show because you get that excitement of seeing something in the flesh the incredible live performances the the incredible dancing of the performers the the stage the darkness that surrounds you being part of something communal like a stage show and all of that allows what would nece- what would potentially otherwise be be narrative flaws structural flaws in a story to be completely forgotten about um in a way that movies can't allow you to do um, yeah. and it, and it's just the nature of storytelling in different formats you know this isn't saying that musicals aren't as valid a form of storytelling because you know stage shows are <laughs> yeah uh, you know as much as i i i don't like musical films i appreciate musical theater right um and and but it but it's a different format and in order to translate something successfully into film you need to be able to change things in a way that allows the audience to move with you in that journey and i don't think they got it right here you need to recognize when your film needs russell crowe bellowing at the top of his lungs (laughs) exactly exactly i mean i mean one of the key examples of this is the uh the movie the producers then got Mm. turned into a great stage show of the producers then got turned into a middling adaptation of the stage show back into a movie format um and some of that was the fact that they got matthew broderick to be in it and he was not very good yeah um as as leo bloom but a lot of it came down to the fact that they didn't recognize that shift um, and, and and it's a similar issue here where that shift has not been correctly fought through. Um, and so you're left with a musical where a lot of the the film happens in dining rooms with yeah. the occasional flashback. <laughs> um, That's exactly it. I was watching it and, the, you know, most of the songs are just him in a dining room singing at people. And it's like, it's just really odd. It's like he's sort of bellowing at them. And the way he sings is a way that actually it sounds more overdone than i mean i've listened to the original broadway cast recording and then having gone through this they've sort of produced it and gotten him to sing in a different way which is almost more bombastic but it somehow backfires because it's like he's yelling at someone in their living room the whole time (laughs) yeah exactly and 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 i sort of uh, this movie because it feels very real it feels very realistic in a way because there's nothing there's nothing like, for instance, Rocket Man, where it has these extravagant oh, so set good. pieces. And so it doesn't feel like Taron Egerton is just singing on his street. Yeah. It, feel, it feels like he's part of this musical universe. But this movie doesn't have that a lot of the time. There's the odd scene here and there where the where the rest of the crew, the rest of the cast gets involved. But a lot of the time it is just people standing around in rooms singing. So you've got these scenes where you don't 
you don't have that suspension of disbelief that this is a musical and it does just seem as though this guy is singing at people in, in their dining room and you're like what are you doing man just talk just talk and it's kind of hilarious but yeah it is. just it, it just is. feels very wrong and very unsettling doesn't it and yeah. when when you go and see a musical in the theater you immediately go into it knowing that ultimately yes you are in the same room as the people who are singing those songs and it's a big room it's a theater but you're you connect with the person on stage you know yeah a lot of musicals have really extravagant production um, and you have really really epic stuff happens on stage but ultimately you have that direct connection with the actor so it doesn't really matter what's going on around them they're delivering that song to you as the live audience and without that element of it it just doesn't work exactly because that's that's another factor where where is the focus of the cast of the movie the focus of the cast of the movie is very very rarely on the audience you've got the odd movie here and there where they break that fourth wall but it's it's aimed at other members of the cast whereas when you look at a like you said at a a musical although it might appear that they're singing at one another in reality it is always aimed back at the audience and so again you've got that real issue where it doesn't it doesn't gel well with the audience and what the audience expects yeah um and so it does just feel quite strange <laughs> and the moments the when it manages it to make it work the the one song where i think they they manage to inject enough life and theatricality into it to make it work is the one where it's like he's writing the emails um sincerely me he's him and his friend jared who by the way steals the complete show i love his performance and he was great um they're 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 like faking the emails from connor who's the guy who's killed himself and yeah and and connor's like dancing through the school halls they have a little dance with their brooms and stuff and that that is funny and that i think if you're gonna i think the problem with this is there's not enough dancing and i imagine that's a problem with the stage show as well not every musical has to be dancing dancey i mean les miserables doesn't really have that for example um just as a very basic point of comparison about from one musical to another but like there was probably some opportunity to have a bit more of that level of bombast and fantasy happening around him. And they were like, should we do a bit of that and try and make it a bit more like the musical and make it sort of break out a bit? And they were like, nah, just just have him sitting at the dining room table. It's fine. (laughs) Come on, we've got to get through a lot of scenes today. You know, Just have him singing in the living room. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. That one scene is actually very, very good um, where it's Connor and Evan doing that back and forth. And you've got, you've got that, really jarring issue with what connor was like in reality versus what he's like in these emails that evan and 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 jared are are writing um and so that that worked really really well and and like you said it was funny and it worked worked well but a lot of the time it isn't it isn't that it is just people dawdling around singing at one another um and it just oh it just does not work does it yeah and annoyingly, they there were a couple of songs that were in the stage production that they didn't use in the film. And they were some of my favourite ones, having listened to it. So I think I've always really liked musical uh, musicals, but I wasn't always someone who would go and like listen to a musical soundtrack without having seen the show until Hamilton happened. And I can remember, must have been five or six years ago, sitting with my friend Kay, um, and they were saying, um, you know, have you heard of this musical Hamilton? I was saying no. It's, and they were saying to me, oh, it's this like hip hop musical. You got to go and check it out, or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna like 
listen to it if I haven't seen the show. And when we w- first went to see it, my wife hadn't, hadn't listened to it because she thought the exact same thing. And in a way, I was jealous because she got to experience it all for the first time as the show. But I listened to it and I was just blown away. Um, and from then on, whenever I hear of like a new musical that's coming out, because it's actually quite a rare thing to have an original new musical. And as an art form, I'm, I'm always interested in it. So I, I listened to the, the Dear Evan Hansen album from that point of view. And there are a couple of songs on the the Broadway cast recording that they didn't they didn't make it through to the film and it's such a shame because they're really good so the opening number in the film um, Waving Through a Window which is the opening number in the film that's like the second song in the stage show and there's one before which is called Anybody Have a Map and it's a duet between Connor's mum and Evan's mum mostly uh, sort of talking about their struggles with raising their sons and it's a brilliant and amazing opening and I have no idea why they didn't do it You've got Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, who are two fantastic actors who would have really nailed it, and they didn't do it. <laughs> that is bizarre. That is really, really bizarre. bizarre and there's also a song from Connor, Connor and Evan um, that comes before You Will Be Found, which is like the big number about how no one deserves to disappear, and that's a really good one as well. And there's also, this is obviously the most egregious crime for me as a baseball fan, but you know, they, he had that moment with, um, he has that moment with Connor's dad where he's giving him the baseball glove and like he's got a signed ball by, ball signed by Cal Ripken Jr. or whatever. There's a song in the stage show about breaking in a baseball glove um, that happens at that moment, and they just skipped over it. But somehow this film is still over two hours long, so what were they doing? <laughs> it is it is incredibly long, isn't it? Um, but, but you talked a little bit there about Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and god damn, this movie has an incredible cast, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you've, got, you've got Ben Platt, who is... You know, people have been heavily criticising him, but his performance in this is good. He's a good singer. It's a good performance, um, yeah. And I think they made him sing in a weird way, but it's still a, a fantastic performance. If you close your eyes and listen to him sing, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, he's got a, he's got a great voice. Um, it just doesn't help that he he looks the way he looks in this movie, and he can't help that. Um, but then, but then you look at the rest of the cast. You've got Julianne Moore. You know, you've got Amy Adams. Two powerhouse performances from them from two powerhouse actors um you've got caitlin dever who is truly incredible mm. and one of these rising stars who i wouldn't be surprised to see being even better thing than she already been in i don't know if you saw unbelievable no um, a couple of that? years back so it's a really good uh mini series about um about like a serial rapist oh, right. um, but it focuses on the victims and she's she's this teenage victim who's uh, reports the crime but then gets charged with lying about having been raped by the police and it's all about misogyny in the police force lack of uh, care when it comes to sexual assault cases and things like that it's a really amazing show with um, with her and Tony Collette as, as sort of like the two to the two leads um, and it's yeah it's brilliant but you know alongside that also in book smart as well um so so genuinely fantastic you've got Ama- uh, amanda stenberg as well mm. uh, from the hate you give yeah. um and you know another another real real brilliant actor for the future and she um, provides that kind of brilliant element of she's suspicious of him and she sort of like finds him out in the end and her the way she plays that really subtly through the film and her sort of subtle digging at him is is perfect it's really really good yeah yeah um, so you've got you've got this really great cast of people, um, but it's just it they're all let down by the structure, um, the the structure of this movie, the way that it didn't understand how to how to properly translate it, but then also um, what that also causes is uh, 
the serious elements with the plot to become very very obvious um and i i I have big problems with the plot of this movie um do you think it's possible to do this as a film i mean obviously we haven't seen the stage show but do you think it's possible to do this right i mean there's there's two ways you could do it you could do it as a proper extravagant musical um which might work i'm not sure if it would because it seems as though it's quite a static piece of work in general yeah that's um, the impression that i get so that would be tricky what you could do however is take the music out of it and do it as a as a direct story which potentially could work um mm-hmm. but again would run into some of the problems with the plot which is less that the as a musical people can be more forgiving of the plot when you put it onto the screen you're gonna get a more critical view of it yeah and that's on top of all of the other issues that we've talked about already i think yeah this the the very very the problem problematic elements of the plot you when you suspend your disbelief in a musical because they're singing these bombastic numbers at you the audience as we, we talked about when something is being conveyed to you through that medium you're you're more likely to be swept up in the emotion of it. And that's kind of the whole point of musicals, right? It's to sweep you up in that emotional performance. Um, And yeah, when that element of it drops off, it makes the problems with it more apparent, right? Yeah, 100%. So so there's two kind of strands that I have issues with with Dear Evan Hansen. And and so there's the Evan Hansen is an intensely dislikable character is one. And the other one is the inherent ableism of the text. Um, yeah. So I think maybe if we start off with the more fun one, which is that Evan Hansen's a dickhead, <laughs> and we can we can go from there. So so the entire premise is that he he's a dickhead, and also you're not rooting for him. No the problem. You you feel sorry. He feels sorry initially for for the Murphy family. So so he he tries to explain initially that no this was a letter i wrote myself i i didn't know connor but very very quickly he goes back into telling them what they want to hear and sort of saying we were great friends and i was there for him and he was there for me and he just makes up lie after lie after lie and brings in other people to help him with this facade that he's bringing up um and it's not just because he feels sorry for them that's part of it but it's also because he has emotional feelings for connor's sister um and you know enjoys being part of this supportive network that he doesn't feel as though he has so yes there is this wanting to please others element but in reality a lot of it still comes from him wanting something out of it and so um i made a note evan hansen is derek akora he's 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 he's, (laughs) He's a ghost he's 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 a he's yeah he's he's a medium he's he's providing these messages from the dead to the family of the 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 bereaved family um and basically taking advantage of them um and so so the sympathy for the audience at least from my perspective it doesn't come on evan it comes entirely on the murphy family who are being uh they're being manipulated yeah um and at first you think oh he's just going along with what they want to think but then yeah it quick very very quickly flips doesn't it yeah it 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 flips and becomes incredibly distasteful very very quickly um and you reach that point where they were they were willing to give him a college tuition that they were going to give their own son 
and you're just like jesus christ man and and thankfully um evan's mum is like no we don't need that and takes him away because it's just like that that is just truly abhorrent um yeah. he's taking he's taking advantage of them let's be honest <laughs> that's what's happening um in the in this movie so instead instead of thinking oh p- poor evan hansen being stuck in this awkward moment and at least you know some positive things have come out of it in terms of sharing you know mental health awareness or what have you instead you're just thinking oh this poor family they've been manipulated they've been lied to all the way along um and 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 it it it's really awkward and i think the thing that works the worst about it is the fact that there is still that romantic element and i think if you took the romantic element out of it it would possibly be okay but the fact that you've got that he's in love with connor's sister thing yeah from the word go before before connor dies he's obsessed with her and, and has barely spoken to her um but <laughs> and, and 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 he then, runs away from her in the corridor yeah runs away from her in the corridor um it, it's just really it's really distasteful and and horrible the way that he then uses that to emotionally connect with her in a way that he would not have been able to do if it wasn't for the fact that that her brother died by suicide and there's that really yeah. really creepy scene the creepiest scene in the whole movie where 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 connor's sister um you know says oh well what what did he say about me i never really got to to know him it never seemed like we connected it's not just a scene it's a whole creepy song it's a whole creepy song it's definitely yeah. the worst song so, in the, so, the whole so show. yeah so zoe um zoe connor's sister says says that and then and then evan hansen is like oh well he loved the way that you dyed your hair purple and the way that you you got into the zone and smiled when you were playing in jazz club and it's like oh no you're just talking about the the way that you're you're correlating the way that you feel about her with the way that connor would feel about her as a brother and it's just really awkward and creepy isn't it it's really awful it's really manipulative and it's just like because the film and maybe the, probably the source stage show as well wants you to think that because he's just kind of going along with what the Murphys thought in their grief that he then has kind of carte blanche to follow up with his creepy obsession with a girl he doesn't know and it's like yeah not cool <laughs> that's not how it works you know, them perhaps bonding over that weird circumstance might be okay but yeah it, it just looks like yeah he's creeping yeah, and, that, and that's what he's doing. I, I I don't necessarily think there's any way that you could get this to work. Um, you know, you, you would need to you you need to set it up over a much longer period of time, I think, um, than this movie would allow. Um, but but it it does make it incredibly awkward to watch. Um, and and basically, yeah, he's he's preying on this this poor family who have who have gone through a, a really traumatic experience. They are all going through a lot of hurt. And along comes um, curly-haired Derek Akora to go, oh, I was his best friend. Here's some emails. Give me your money. Give me your love. Yeah. Love me. Play catch with me. Give me your food. Um, because I'm I'm from a single-parent household and my mum's awful, even though she's a, a nurse and working extra shifts to get money to feed us. Um, yeah. yeah. Th- there's just Which, by the oh. way, Julianne Moore did the perfect performance of yeah yeah 100 percent. even in um, the the also potentially probably second worst song is the one where they're like singing at each other just sitting there about how bad everything is where where is that the one where she sings the word truck about 50 times yeah yeah, yeah she's singing at him <laughs> about how he liked the the rubbish truck on the day that his dad left or whatever yeah yeah 
Um, and yeah, but, there's a whole thing about like his dad's gone, but you know, it's only really explored in like one scene. Again, I actually kind of wanted them to explore that a bit more. They they could have done, they could have done, but they but they didn't. Um, but yeah, I I think the 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 parental figures in this movie are all very well acted. Um, you know, Julianne Moore is a single parent who who's struggling with with uh, with with Evan as her son and is working incredibly hard to try and you know make ends meet. I think is really well done, and she's a very sympathetic character. But then you've also got um, Amy Adams and and Danny Pino as as Cynthia uh, um, Cynthia Murphy and Larry the 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 um, the stepdad. Yeah, and and I think they're really well done, and I think they do. One of the positive things I say about this movie is they try and understand the chaos left behind by suicide, um, yeah, and, and and how people try and work out how to move on from that. I think they do in a moderately successful way through the Murphy family. I don't think it's yeah. it's true. But they don't get any of the musical numbers. That's the no, thing. of course they don't. Because it's from Evan Hansen's point of view, you're getting the wrong side of the story. You're getting the side of the story that's all manipulation and breaking of trust rather than actually exploring the issues that it's raising through the medium of song. Yeah, and and I don't think it's perfect when it comes to to you know um discussions of suicide either but i think the way that they do talk about that with the family dynamic is at least partially successful but like you said they don't focus on that they they focus on on evan hansen and how long he can keep this lie going for um, yeah which, which isn't great um the other thing i'd like to bring up is that the no homo stuff is extremely tiresome yeah um apparently the it's a lot better than the original stage show um since a lot of the homophobic comments come from jared uh in the film they made jared gay um in the musical the character is straight so he's just a straight up homophobe yeah um so, so good good decision there to change to change it a bit but it's still incredibly tiresome just hear him say oh they're gonna think you're 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 going out oh you don't want people to think you're gay do you being yeah. gay is bad apart from i'm gay so it's okay for me to say that I think oh. they want to like the songwriters want you to think that it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it and it's self aware, but it doesn't come across that way. <laughs> no, it does not. Um, and yeah, but it was a smart decision to change it from the original um, character. Yeah, um, you know, at least then it, it's a little bit of a buffer from the the dodgy no homeowners of it all. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> he's he's not very likable. The story focuses on the wrong things. Um, and if you'll excuse me, I'd like to now talk about something a little bit more serious, which is um, the ableism inherent in this text. And, and on surface value, um, you might think of this as being somewhat progressive because of the way that it actually talk. You know, it's a it's a movie that talks about mental illness and how it's okay not to be okay, and and everyone's got their struggles and we should all open up and speak to one another yeah well that's what it sells itself on that's a, the whole the main song is you will be found and it, that's what they were doing with the marketing hashtag you will be found that's the message that it wants you to think but it's a very kind of simplistic sort of instagram self-help message that's actually dated now isn't it yeah um it's ableist in the same way that shit that was progressive got it wrong about 20 years ago um it means well it doesn't succeed yeah in the way that it means to it's well-meaning um, it's yeah it's it's well-meaning it's this isn't a movie that deliberately sets out to to have issues with mental illness um but it it doesn't succeed in being a nuanced take on it it's 
it's it's the same way that i think you know every year in mental health awareness week you get the message of it's okay not to be okay which is you know a good baseline message for people but and and you get people saying oh speak up about your mental health but it doesn't get to the root of the issue which is there's no one to fucking speak up to yeah there there's the, the structures in society are not set up to support people with mental illness if you do actually have problems of your mental health then you will be ostracized and pushed out of society you might lose your job you might not be able to get a job uh you might not be able to find somewhere to live your family might struggle to support you um, and there's no look at the kind of the deeper problems in society that that cause mental illness as well right no 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 um you know and and so there, there's all sorts of issues here i think you know uh th- this movie does have the true depiction of mental illness which is um you know as someone who lives with mental illness myself i know that i'm always being a weird creep to people i'm always <laughs> naruto running down hallways i'm always taking pills off the floor of a toilet um, the first that, time i met you you i held out my hand to you and you ran away i remember that quite i well. said i said uh robert uh, I'm sorry, that's my name, and then I ran away, yeah, screaming. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, so you know, but then I found you because you will be found because <laughs> I will be found. Yeah. You found me taking pills off a toilet, floor. <laughs> found you on the toilet floor. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so it's that there, 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 there are issues with the way that it depicts mental illness, one of which is. Um, this isn't a particularly nuanced view at social anxiety or general anxiety disorder, um, where a lot of people with generalized anxiety disorder don't just have issues talking to one another and 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 stuff like that. It's actually a lot more nuanced than that. The other yeah. side is the suicide angle. Um, when it comes to Connor, um, he is a, a a stereotype and a half. He's an angry high school student with black nail polish he's a loner who smokes drugs he's bullied by the jocks um and and it shows all that stuff only in a very simplistic way i mean there's really not much time dedicated to connor at all for the huge role that he has in you know what the film wants you to think about evan hansen and about the plot that it wants to achieve it really dedicates very little time to connor and i think there's a bit more in the stage show because he there's a couple of songs from him that were cut but still yeah it doesn't really give him any complexity does it no no um and and, and then that makes you feel that like suicide is just being used as a, a plot device isn't it yeah, rather but, than and, treated with the seriousness that it should be and again particularly because so much of the emphasis of this film is on the romantic angle um it feels as though it's been used as this story kernel to push things into into action whereas in fact suicide should be treated with a lot more respect than that um so so you know it does it does occasionally stumble into uh good pieces of mental health awareness um one of them is that evan hansen a a generational dumbass that he is um (laughs) thinks that the the generic support that he offers via fake emails uh, would have been suitable for someone with suicide ideation. And you, when you've got in that song, he's like, don't do drugs, speak to someone. I'm always here if you want to have a chat. It's like, no, that that's... Yeah. that's If someone's got suicidal ideation, they need yeah. su- specific care. Stop you know. doing drugs, just try to take deep breaths and go on walks. Yeah. 
yeah that's not going to help if someone wants to kill themselves i'm sorry they need something a lot more uh, a lot more urgent than that um but it but it does again it and because it does it in that comedic way it does kind of tread onto a good piece of mental health awareness there which is this stuff is bullshit that doesn't help with severe cases you know you can you always see people talking about oh you should eat less red meat and drink less and and go for exercise and that'll cure your depression it's like no well no it it might not (laughs) if you've got if you've got moderate depression if you've got severe depression it's very likely that you'll need uh face-to-face or telephone counseling alongside medication to support to support your your mental ill health um and so so at least you know there is there is that kind of thing there even if it stumbles across it vaguely accidentally um but then it also it does show that the reality of mental illness can be unpalatable um, it's not really the main point of the text, but when you see Zoe talking about um, uh, Connor threatening to be aggressive, for instance, and not having that recognition of it, um, when it talks about his his drug issues, when it talks about how difficult it was for him to get that care, at least it does show that the reality of mental illness isn't just um, writing letters from your therapist and taking drugs. There can be these severe challenges yeah that, that people face um that mental illness doesn't it doesn't result in the closure people want when someone gets you know when someone lives with mental illness uh you know myself included it's just it's not something that you're fixed from a lot of the time it's something that you constantly manage as part of your day-to-day life there isn't that closure point um it doesn't give people the emotions people want it doesn't give you that um that really strong uh, I'm better now, and I yeah. I love you all. Let's all go out for frosty chocolate milkshakes. Moment that you know that 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 doesn't necessarily happen in reality. And at least dear Evan Hansen does touch on that through Connor's suicide. You know they don't get that closure. They're left wondering these questions. They 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 have this void that they try to fill with Evan, um, and and he's doing this partly out of pity for the family, partly out of his own desires, but it shows that there is this void that is left behind by by mental illness, by a society that doesn't support people with mental illness. Yeah, it's a very, very complex and nuanced thing, as you say, and it's very, very difficult to get it right on film, least of all a film that's adapted from, you know, a, a musical that's mostly people yelling at each other in dining rooms. <laughs> I know, it is not the the best situation to have a discussion about mental mental health in general, um, which again begs the question, should this have been made into a movie in the first place? Um, which, I don't know, I, I don't necessarily think it should have been. I don't think it worked. I think the answer is probably no, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it worked. Um, you know, I'm not one of these people that thinks that this is a... Uh, a total disaster no and i'm really i knew i was watching it going oh i know rob's gonna hate this but i'm glad that you're able to admit that there are some things that it got right and there are some things that it did well and there are some things where it did you know try to that it you know it is well intentioned and that does come across in some parts of it yeah 100 percent. i think you know it 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 is at least trying to push out push a message of openness um, at least it does try and showcase that people of various circumstances can have mental health concerns that they live with. Um, I think there are issues with it sanitizing, you know, issues of mental health. Um, but at least its its main aim isn't to 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 undermine 
mental health messages it's not there to kind of be a rose-tinted look at mental health it does at least try and do things right even if it's a little bit outdated and not entirely successful so you know i'm, I'm not going to stand here and say this is the worst movie ever made it's it's no. a damn it's a damn sight better than cats if you want to look at recent <laughs> stage to t stage oh, to yeah. screen adaptations that's a much more egregious example of how stage to screen does not work yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um so i think you know that there, there are there, there are positives to take from this movie. I'm not going to sit. Although I was hoping that at the end, when they're, they're standing in the field and having their sort of reconciliation, that he was just going to unzip his skin and step out of it. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be great. And just Naruto <laughs> run away with no, no skin on. Yeah. Um, it's uh yeah so so it's it's not the worst thing i've ever seen, but it does have its issues. And you know, it like you said, it's a complex it's a complex topic. Um, it's a hard thing to portray, particularly if you're doing a musical film yeah you can't really have the nuance that's needed i think to to really do it justice no and that that's yeah it's difficult to get things across in in the musical form things like that things that are extremely complex which isn't to say that all musicals are simplistic you know there's a lot of depth to some to some like les mis and hamilton that that's, and that cats. show is incredibly deep and cats yeah obviously mccavity mccavity there's no one like mccavity that shit is deep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, so yeah. At least, I'll tell you one thing that it did get right was Reddit comments. Yeah, it did. It did definitely get Reddit right, didn't it? Um, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right there. Did you, did you like the songs? I mean, in general, some of them we've discussed aren't that great, but did you, did you enjoy the songs just as a, as a thing? They, they were catchy. For, for themselves, they, for they songs. Were, they were catchy songs, yeah um they they felt like modern musical music which is a very specific genre um yeah and if they did a fine job of being modern musical music um over lunchtime today i was singing one of them apart from i was singing that evan hansen's a bell end to the <laughs> to the tune um but they're, but they yeah they're 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 catchy they're catchy songs definitely um you know it's, it's not as though it's an atonal dirge of a musical it's it's well done no, it's not Radiohead. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not Radiohead the musical. No, our boy, our boy Evan Hansen had a Radiohead poster on his wall in one scene. Dear Tom York. Yeah. <laughs> Sincerely, me. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's 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 uh. And you know who who the songs are by, or who kind of came up with the idea, right? Um. Who was it? It's um Pasek and Paul, so Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, who are the guys behind the songs from The Greatest Showman and La La Land. Ah, well, that explains why they sounded so much like Greatest Showman style songs then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think they'd actually written Dear Evan Hansen before they started doing all this film, all their film stuff that they're known for. But yeah, they wrote all the songs in La La Land, all the songs in The Greatest Showman, the two new songs in Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, which are good. So, you know, this is guys who have had real, really massive success with these kind of huge musical pop hits. And, you know, the hat's off to them for that, because I think these are really good songs. And those are the reason that I'm interested in this film and that kind of carried it for me. And I still will listen to and enjoy the the um, original Broadway cast recording of this show. Mm. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, the songs, the songs are, are catchy. Um, apparently they're working on a Snow White and Seven Dwarfs next for Disney. Yes, 
um, because that's what we need more of. It's more of those live-action Disney adaptations. Exactly, that's the thing. In a world of live-action Disney adaptations that we always end up talking about eventually, I'm glad that something like Dear Evan Hansen exists, even though it's very problematic. <laughs> yeah, at least it's at least it's not a Marvel movie. It's not. No. It's not um, Dear the Hulk. It's. <laughs> you wouldn't like him when he's angry, and now he's going to sing about it. <laughs> Oh. Apparently, um, the premise, the musical, it says on Wikipedia, the musical has its origins in an incident that took place during Pasek's high school years. So oh, really? it's like one of them that's sort of vaguely based on something that had some grounding in truth. He broke his arm. That's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody signed his cast because he was a nerd. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, th- this is one of those films that seems to have um, fallen into two two very uh entrenched camps almost where the 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 audience score is pretty good it's over six out of ten on imdb but then the the critical reception was a lot a lot worse um it you know talking about it being inauthentic and shallow um yeah painful to watch um and i think it's it's a bit more of a mixed bag than people saying, oh, it's good because I like the stage show. It seems to be a lot of the, the audience response. Yeah. Um, or this is a true, true disaster and they cast this guy who should never have been cast and he's rubbish. He's like, no, he's not rubbish. He's good. But the issue, the issues come from the structural problems of the not really being able to translate this well into a, into a film. Um so yeah it's it's a it's a bit of a, a shame but like you said at least it's something different yeah for sure and um the they got Stephen Chbosky in to work on the screenplay which i think was a good a good move i think he did his best with difficult material we have we talked about the perks of being a wallflower we have not no i don't believe we have have you seen that or um, read the book no, I haven't. I've heard good things about it. And he directed the film, didn't he? He did, yes. Yeah. I think it's a very, very good book that is difficult to film. And I think the film was good, but didn't do it justice. But his screenwriting pedigree is good. And you could, this had a, this had a similar vibe. Right, And that's sure. a good thing. Sure. Um, the other thing I know about him was that he did uh, the terrible Beauty and the Beast live action. Oh yeah, <laughs> so he's responsible for Luke Evans as Gaston. So we must thank him for that, because um, the writer is involved in all the casting decisions. Obviously, yeah, that's exactly right. That's how that's films exactly work. Right. Interestingly enough, he produced one of my favourite horror movies. Oh yeah, um, he produced the movie The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is a really horrible fake documentary about a serial killer, um, where the plot is that these police find um i think it's like nearly a thousand videotapes shot by a serial killer of his crimes and it's it's like a documentary about them finding it and what's on the tapes and things like that it's very interesting and quite harrowing um and yeah it's a very a very interesting movie and yeah he was the producer on that which is you know a far cry from dear evan hansen (laughs) (laughs) um so uh yeah so so fair enough fair enough that's cool um, and yeah, also did um, Jericho. I don't know if you remember Jericho. No. It was like a post-apocalyptic... Chris Jericho, the wrestler. Chris, yeah, Chris Jericho, exactly. Um, it was like a post-apocalyptic um, TV show. Um, and yeah, it was it was an interesting one. It went on for a few years, I think. 
um, at least a couple of series. So yeah, it's a, a varied, a varied CV. Mm, um, that's old, really cool. Uh, Stephen Chomsky. Noam Chomsky. <laughs> Noam Chomsky. <laughs> Well-known writer of the perks of being a, a wallflower. Yep. Wallflowers can avoid capitalism. <laughs> if if only I'd I'd love it if there was like a if Noam Chomsky wrote a coming of age novel. Yeah, or like a a bombastic musical about a high school student telling a lie. <laughs> Capitalism is the lie. Capitalism is the lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, right. Is there anything else you want to say about Dear Evan Hansen? Um, just that I also thought that I don't know if you well you hadn't listened to the songs in isolation, but I think on the film they'd like weirdly put like big reverb on them that made them sound really odd and thin. Did you think that? I yeah, it felt. There's a middle ground to be found between the live performances of Les Mis and this, isn't there? Yeah. Where this it doesn't feel real, even though they're all in their houses singing. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's... Um, and I guess they were trying to make it feel more real, but it just made it feel really, like, echoey and weird. Mm, yeah, yeah. So does. if you listen to the songs, like, on Spotify or whatever, they don't sound like that, and they sound better. Uh, okay, I'm probably not going to do that, because I... I don't really listen to musical music in isolation. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, that's interesting to hear at least that there is that um, that discrepancy there almost because um, it because it is it is quite funny when you you can tell when the song's coming because because he's got that look in his eyes. <laughs> exactly, he's got that look into the middle distance, and he'll, he'll sort of hunch over a little bit more so that eventually he can rise up when he starts singing. Um, and then yeah the reverb comes and you're like oh yep he's going on a little a little jaunty song now in someone's living room singing about how he's sad and awkward yep and him and his fake best friend climbed a tree (laughs) yeah exactly because i think i think that um that most of it was performed live right um wasn't it i think when they filmed it i think a lot of it was done as live performances as they filmed but then you like you said they had that weird echoey reverb that made it feel very fake and i'm not yeah it it felt very odd i'm not sure how best they could have done it yeah so just some very odd decisions with a lot of the things in this film yeah yeah to do Um, with the music itself as much as everything else um yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a weird one isn't it it is a weird one um so yeah apparently he he did lose weight and grew his hair out to achieve the look of a gawky teenager right um but yeah it didn't really it didn't really work did it should have put on weight that would have been more representative representative of gawky teenagers i.e me (laughs) he should have yeah he should have should have put on weight and worn a big um worn a big um like new metal band hoodie yeah no standing up in front of the school wearing a slipknot hoodie (laughs) baggy jeans and a slipknot hoodie and underneath he's wearing one of those flame shirts yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they should have done. That's what they should have yeah. done. Yeah, and he's got a huge wallet chain as well. <laughs> oh man, I never actually had one of those. But no, I, I I never had one of them either. Um, bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like, who's going to steal your money, nerd? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's in your wallet? <laughs> got a got a Nando's frequent visitor card and a guitar pick. Yeah. 
<laughs> ticket stub from an Incubus concert you went to last year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, have you got anything else you want to say about Dear Evan Hansen? Or shall we... No, I, I, I think we've covered everything. I think it, it's worth watching if you're interested in it, i.e. if you like musicals or maybe if you really like Ben Platt. It's, yeah, I don't know if I'd say don't watch it, but there are a lot of problems with it and don't expect something that's really nuanced and really impactful but there are reasons to watch it and there are good things about it but i'd say you might have a better time just listening to the original broadway cast recording on spotify instead yeah i think if you're if you can if you get the chance to see the show see the show instead probably but yeah i'd say if you're a big um if you're a big fan of musicals maybe give it a go if you enjoy weird shit that doesn't quite work then also give this a go because there's lots of things you can sort of poke at and laugh (laughs) at um it's not as bad as some people have been making it out to be no i still wouldn't say it's good i'm not going to watch it again but no um, but you know there, there are things to commend like the performances are very good um and the fact that it even if it does heavily stumble at least there are a few shining some of some of the elements actually are quite interesting from a mental health perspective even if the majority of it isn't so it's 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 not as as a fundamental failure of some people have been saying it is um, no so i've got a little bit of trivia for you here um cool. so this is not the only movie of 2021 to star amy adams and julianne moore Oh. Um, there's also the woman in the window which i don't know if you saw it came onto netflix no um, that this year is based on a book that is very well sort of weirdly controversial in in publishing or maybe the author's more controversial um because he like made up a whole bunch of lies and he worked in publishing i'll put the article the new yorker article about it in the show notes because there's too detailed to go into in here but yeah that's based on a quite a controversial book he claimed he had I'm just reading about this fella now. AJ have, you, have you heard about this before? I have not heard about this before. Oh, this okay. Go amazing. and read the article because you, you will love it. It's th- so interesting. Yeah, he's a really weird liar. Daniel and, like, Mallory. Sort, a sort of a con artist claimed, guy. Claimed he'd earned a doctorate from Oxford, having suffered from cancer and a brain tumour, having lost his mother to cancer, having lost yeah. his brother to suicide. Um, And he admitted that he basically had lied about all of it. Yep. Incredible. <laughs> That is that is fascinating. I'm going to have to look this up. Um, but yeah, the the woman in the window is is um, I, I I've not read the book. The film was a bit hit and miss, but yeah. again, good performances from Amy Adams and and Julianne Moore, and it did have everyone's favourite Gary Oldman in it as well. Oh, love him. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't read the book, but I heard in the context of having read that whole story that apparently it's just a rip off of Rear Window. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically Rear Window. It's very, very similar. Um, so, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's an interesting one. It's, uh, yeah, maybe worth watching. It's a good good old psychological thriller yarn. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the other thing I wanted to point out is also Julianne Moore related because I do love Julianne Moore. She is fantastic. She is fantastic. Um, yeah. Is that sincerely? Me has a scene taking place in an arcade, and there's a light gun arcade game based on the Lost World Jurassic Park Two, which yeah. obviously she was in. That's cool um that's my kind of easter egg which which i love that was great um so yeah so that was just a little a little bit of trivia and obviously the other trivia is that that evan hansen's a dweeb Um, (laughs) yeah you look up dweeb in the dictionary there he is it's just evan hansen yeah um so how we how are we going to uh to rank this uh let's see how many 
fake emails do you need to write to get away with your lie? I'm a very deceptive person, so it only takes five for me. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go a little bit higher. I'll go as high as eight out of twenty because yeah, I love the songs and I still have an emotional connection to them. But yeah, it's it's a problematic film that tries to do a lot and gets some of it some of the way there. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I can't remember what we've got planned for next week. There was another potential horror show, wasn't there? That we there yeah, there was. There was another musical. But we wanted to have a buffer, didn't we, between them? <laughs> what was it? I genuinely can't remember. I was hoping that you would remember so I wouldn't have to. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I'm going to look through all my text messages to you to try and find it. <laughs> okay, God's sake. <laughs> I might have to edit this out. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, take a little, we'll take a little break. Is it Garfield the movie? What, starring no. Chris Pratt? <laughs> Is it June? I wish it was June. No, it's not. it's not June. Does it have Timothée Chalamet in it? I don't think oh, so. Oh, it was um, After We Fell. It's the new After. That's right. Jesus. Yeah. Unless you want to do June 1984. I mean, we <laughs> since could... You're, since you're watching June 2021. Does it, does it have a romantic element? I genuinely cannot remember i don't i think it's probably not right i don't think so no we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about it anyway because we we always end up having tangents but yeah so to remind you after we fell is the third film in the after franchise of which there will be four i think and the, the second one after we collided received our lowest score of all time earlier this year so that tells oh, you all you need Christ. to know i i am not ready for more hero finds tiffin on my screen i'm not gonna lie well, well, it's that or the Princess Diana musical. There's your choice. <laughs> um, no, let's let's break up the musicals. Let's watch After We Fell. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we can do Princess Diana maybe the week after. And then we're almost at Christmas. Then we're almost <laughs> we're, we're almost there. at the Netflix film with Kerry Elways being a sexy old man in a castle for for Netflix Christmas, which I'm and, so and, excited about. And the next the next Christmas twin movie. Yes. Well. I am so stoked for that. <laughs> I'm genuinely sad that they didn't make any more Christmas Prince movies. Yeah, yeah. I'd like another one. Just Throw, one more. Yeah. It can be a revolution where the, the monarchy is finally overthrown. Yeah. Can end it. Um, yeah so, Christmas Prince 4. So, Noam Chomsky's Rise of the Proletariat <laughs> or whatever. So after we fell then. Oh dear. After we fell. Oh yeah. dear. Oh, it's not going to go well. No, it is not. Cool. Well, <laughs> looking forward to that. But thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really do appreciate it. And um, we hope you got something out of Dear Evan Hansen if you watched it. If you didn't watch it, I'd say, you know, give it a go if you're curious, unless you hate musicals. Yeah, give it a, give it a go, I think. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I didn't think it was very good, but maybe you'll get more out of it if you like the, uh, like the cheeky musical numbers. Yeah. And there is a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's just like a kind of virtual tip jar. Um, you can find us on email, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast.gmail.com, on Twitter at bigboysdon'tpod. Um, always love to hear from you, and we will be back next week to talk about After We Fell. Alrighty, bye-bye. Right. Bye. Bye.